0: All be in the same place. We'll start off in verse number one. Be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Verse number eight. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Verse 10. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Verse number 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the beautiful day that you gave to us today. Lord, thank you for every day that you give us life and you give us breath and you give us an opportunity to serve you, live for you. Lord, I just pray that as we cap off this wonderful day in your house tonight, that we would do so in a way that's pleasing and honoring to you. Lord, we've come tonight because we want to hear from you. We want your spirit to speak to our hearts and change whatever needs to be changed. God, if there's, if there's rebuke, please deliver it to us. If there's challenge, God send it our way. If there's encouragement that we need, God bring it and we'll thank you for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Last night we read these 17 verses and then and we uh, went into it just a little bit about how verse number one is the context it's the main idea it's the theme behind the entire chapter and especially these first few verses. Because if you really want to prove what's acceptable to the Lord, if you, since you've been saved, went from darkness to being light in the Lord and you want to walk as children of light, now you need to be led, and that leading only comes through the Word of God by the Spirit of God as it's delivered to you. And so you have to be sensitive to what God is doing when you are listening to the Word of God, when you're reading the Word of God, that you need to be ready to hear from God at any moment. And not only to hear, but to act. Remember we said yesterday (coughs) that not every question in your life will have an answer in black and white in a specific verse. It just won't be there. And you've probably come up with a whole list of questions that there's no verse for. However, God doesn't want us to just stumble through this life guessing at what to do and what not to do. And he says we can prove what is acceptable. And he says we can understand what the will of the Lord is. And so it's our job to figure out how to do that. And I told you last night, I believe the way to do that is Bible principle. You don't have a verse for everything, but everything in your life is covered under Bible principles. Everything without exception. I was just looking at, at a church website online today. Somebody had said something to me last week about a, a church that has a Bible college and, and how their, their young person had gone there and then something had happened and things had gone haywire and I knew that they were taking a little different direction but I don't know them well and I wasn't paying attention. So today I went to their website. Sure enough, they've taken a different direction. A drastically different direction. And they were doing all kinds of, all, all manner of stuff. And they had videos up from their, from their youth meeting. And I, I, was, I was shocked and appalled at what was going on. How do, you, how do you end up doing that? Well, because you live by the philosophy, God didn't say we can't do it. And that's a good way to ruin your life. There are a lot of things God didn't say you can't do in black and white, but you need to know God well enough and know enough of the Word of God to be able to apply the Bible principles and decide if that's something that a child of God ought to be doing. Is it somewhere a child of God ought to go? Is it somehow the way a child of God ought to act? And the answer to those questions is in Bible principle. Too many times we fall back to our list of what we've always believed was good and bad or right and wrong. Your list is fine as long as it matches scripture. When you start making lists that go beyond scripture, then sooner or later your list is going to lose its impact. As a matter of fact, it can even get downright weird sometimes. You see, the problem with living according to a list of things is, is that a list of specifics is very specific. So you say, uh, you don't do this and you don't do that and you don't do that. Wonderful, that's fine and that's good. But each, each thing on the list only has a single application. You see, when you live according to Bible principle, one Bible principle can apply to many situations. If you have a specific rule and you live by that rule, that's fine and great. But when something comes along that's different than that rule, suddenly you don't know what to do. You don't know if it's okay or if it's not okay. But if you're living according to Bible principle, it's not specific, it's got multiple applications. Uh, I like to call it list living. And that kind of living is very specific. You you find that among our our dear friends, the Amish. That's how they live their lives. There's a whole list of do's and don'ts. And there are loopholes. As there are in every list of do's and don'ts. That's the that's the fun of a list. There are always loopholes. There's always something that's not on the list. So you can't can't have electricity at your home, uh, but you can have a generator in the barn. You can't have power tools, but I can borrow yours all day long. I can't drive a car, but I can pay you to drive me anywhere I want to go. And so the list, really, when it comes right down to it, the list is meaningless because there's a way to get around everything on the list and be perfectly good. That's not how God wants us to live. You say, well, that's, that's silly. If those Amish folks are going to give up all that they give up, why wouldn't they just jump in with both feet and be sincere? That's the same thing they say about us independent Baptist folks. Is it not? Well, if they really believe this and that, why don't they just do it? Well, because human nature is, I'm going to follow the exact points on the list, and I'm going to cheat every time I can, and I'm going to find a way around it. God gives us something better than that. Bible principles that will cover every situation in your life. You see, a list of specifics is time specifics. It's time specific. And Bible principle, on the other hand, is eternal. It never goes out of style. One of one of my great heroes. He's my friend and he's my hero. But he was well known for, for preaching on things that today people would laugh at. Wire rimmed glasses, ceramic frogs, waterbeds. They were all a sin and they were wicked and you and you couldn't please God if you had those things. Well, now let me just be honest with you. I'm not trying to be unkind or disrespectful. That's silly. It is. It's silly. Now, there was a time when each of those specific things made sense. When he first began preaching against wire rim glasses, the only people who had wire rim glasses were the hippies who hated God and everything else. And the real Bible principle was not to be identified with the world. By the way, the Bible principle is still true. Still true. But just look around you today. Half the people in the room have wire rim glasses on. And they don't hate God. And they're not wicked. And they're not living in sin, I think. We'll ask later. But we'll find out. Do you see what I mean? If all you have is a list of specific issues, there will be a time when they no longer make sense. And they no longer fit. Culture changes, things change. All kinds of things change, and the specifics can change. But the Bible principle never changes. There was a time, you know, when we, we preached against uh, men having long hair and all that, and that's right, and it's biblical, by the way. It's a shame for men to have long hair. That's what the Bible says. But we said, you know, you have long hair, you're probably one of them, one of them sissy types. Well, I don't know if you've noticed this, but now the sissy types don't wear long hair. They cut it short, shorter than a lot of the non-sissy types. What happened? Well, the culture shifted a little, and some of the styles shifted a little, and all of a sudden, it doesn't fit anymore. Now it's still wrong to have long hair, but there's a whole different thing behind it now. You see what I mean by the difference between specifics and Bible principle? You better be careful. The Specifics are fine for where you are and what you're doing, but don't make the specific the real thing. The specific is just the application of the Bible principle at that time and place. Stick with the Bible principle. Specifics are culture specific. Bible principles are cross-cultural. I was, uh, I was teaching a, a Bible Institute class in Pennsylvania, Emmaus, Pennsylvania. They asked me to come and do this thing on music. And, and when he called me, he said, we, for our Bible Institute, what we do when we have somebody come in for something like this is we have you uh, speak every night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and it's 15 hours, three hours each night for five nights in a row, and we cram it all into one week, and that's how we do it. I said, brother, I don't have 15 hours of stuff on anything. <laughs> Certainly not music. And, and he said, no, I just, I really believe that you're the one we should have do this. And I said, you know, I, I, I can't, I, there's just no way I can do it. And so I, I pawned it off on my good friend, John Marshall, and they called him and he went and did it. And then the guy called me back the next year and he said, we had a wonderful time with brother Marshall. Now we want you to come and come do the music thing. I said, you know, I really we're going to have a lot of dead space in there. 3 hours a night. He said, "Well, it's not really completely 3 hours. It's broken up into 3 45 minute sessions and we have snacks in between each one." Well, that changes everything. I said, I said, snacks? What kind of snacks? He said, oh, they bring in all kinds of stuff. They bring in cakes and cookies. I said, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll, I'll fake it if I have to, but I'll come up with something and I'll be there. And so I, <coughs> I went and did it. And I found out that I certainly could fill up the whole time. And, and we got down toward the end of the week. And on Thursday night... Uh, we only had a certain number of sessions left, and I wanted to make sure I didn't leave a bunch of stuff uncovered that people wanted to know. And so I, I asked them to let me know if there was anything that we hadn't covered that we needed yet to cover on the last night. And there was a, there was a young man, a missionary, going to Thailand, sitting on the front row. And he said, Brother Rogers, I'm going to Thailand as a missionary and I need to know how to apply the principles that we've seen about music when I get to Thailand. Because Thai music is very different from American music. And it really is. I, I don't know if you're familiar with Thai music, uh, but, but it's, well, not to be culturally insensitive or anything, but it's, it's weird. It's weird. The best way I can describe it is a cross between two guys fighting and a cat stuck in the fan belt. It's like, wah, ooh, wah, ooh, like that. That's what it's like. And that's the beautiful melodic stuff. That's the good stuff. And so uh, I said, brother, now that, that is an excellent question. Really good question. Here's the answer. Every Bible principle that applies to music in the United States of America applies to music in Thailand. Doesn't matter where you are. The Bible principles are the same. He said, well, what are the mechanics of it? I said, here's what you got to do. When you get there, obviously, you're not going to have the whole background that the people in Thailand have. You need to find somebody born and raised there who knows all about it and find out what kind of music they use in their, in their heathen worship of their false gods and what instruments they use and what it sounds like and what it looks like and how they do it and then stay as far away from that as possible. That's where you start right there. Why? Well, because the Bible principle is not to be like the world. It's to be different from the world. So you're going to go in there. You don't want to find the wicked, vile stuff they're using in their idol worship and then appropriate that over into your worship of God. Right? Just like you wouldn't want to do that here. You see, the Bible principle is the same. It doesn't matter if you're talking about uh, Michigan or if you're talking about Thailand. The Bible principle is the same. It's cross-cultural. I've heard folks, you know, well-meaning folks who said, you know, if you really really want godly music, you have to have a piano. And I like that because I play the piano. It's not true, though. You don't have to have one of those to have godly music. You don't. If, if you did, there'd be some places you can't have godly music. And that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense, would it? You're going to strap one of, those, one of those things on your back and hike up the mountains in New Guinea and take it to the village so you can have some godly music? And No, that'd be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Absolutely ridiculous. You see, Bible principles are cross-cultural. They will work in any culture. A good test of something is if it only works here, then it's probably not a Bible principle. Then it's probably just my preference if it only works here. Because Bible principles work everywhere. They work everywhere. A list of specifics come from human experience. Bible principles come directly from God. A list of specifics tends to pride, and Bible principle brings humility. You say, how, how does that happen? Well, if I'm going to live according to Bible principle, what I'm doing every day is looking at what I'm doing and where I'm going and how I'm doing it and trying to see if it lines up with the Word of God. And if it doesn't, then I'm submitting myself to the Word of God and saying, okay, God, I'm wrong. I'll fix that. If I just have my list of specifics, I can follow the list and feel good about myself no matter what's going on. Yeah, I can, I can follow all the rules on the list and my heart can be a million miles away from God. Have you ever knocked on somebody's door trying to witness to them or invite them to church and they say, well, I have my religion and you have yours. That's pretty sad, isn't it? I and mean, If all you've got is your religion, that's pretty pathetic. You know what they're saying? Well, I'm doing what's on my list. I'm Okay. Well, that's a horrible deception from the devil himself. Because there are an awful lot of folks who are going to follow the list of their religion, and they're going to die and go to hell. That's not enough. Bible principle exalts a relationship with God. A list of specific exalts religion. Well, our church teaches this. I'm glad. That's nice. But it's worthless if it doesn't line up with the Bible. I was talking to a man in Fresno, California back in November. We were having a revival meeting and, and uh, he's the husband of a lady who's in the church and he wanted to talk to me after church and we sat in the office and what he really wanted to do was try to convince me that his religion was okay and he was going to go to heaven. And we had to keep coming back to what does the Bible say? And his answer was well that doesn't really matter. The church says I said, hey, if that's your basis we have nothing to talk about because your church says this and that church says that and the other church says this over there, we need to go to what God said. You see, living according to that list of specifics exalts the religion, but living according to Bible principle exalts a relationship. List living, if you will, always falls short because there will always be instances that are not covered by what's on your list. There will always be something. And next week there will be something new and there will be something else. Listen, when I was growing up, preachers preached all the time. It was a sin to go to the movies. And by the way, that's, there's nothing wrong with preaching that. That's fine. But then, now I'm, I'm telling you about things now that some of you don't know again, I'm sure. They invented the VCR and the VHS tape. And the same people who would never be caught dead inside a movie theater were going down to the video rental store and renting stuff they never would have gone and seen in a movie theater. What was the problem? Well, they got the specific of don't go to the movie theater. What they missed was the principle of you better guard what you put in your heart and in your mind. Yes, it's important where you do it, but it's also important what you're taking in. It doesn't matter if you're sitting in a good place watching something evil, you're still watching something evil. And they missed that altogether. And they felt good about themselves for not going to the movies, but they saw everything they would have seen at the theater, sitting in their own home, and some worse, I promise you. And then the DVDs, and now I know even that's old-fashioned now. Now it's all the, the downloads and the streaming and the, all that kind of stuff. Listen, the Bible principle is still true. You ought not fill your mind with garbage. It's just easier to fill it with garbage now than it ever was before. There was a day when you had to go downtown and pay money to fill it with garbage. Now you can sit right there in your your house with your phone and fill it with garbage. But the Bible principle is still true. You ought not do it. Don't do it. Don't feel good about yourself just because you're not in a movie theater. Quit filling your mind with garbage. Amen? Amen? You see, the, the, the specifics just cover certain things, but the Bible principles cover everything. They cover everything. I'll just be honest with you. The problem is that it's easier to live by the list because that doesn't take any work. All that takes is, well, the preacher said this, so that's what I'm going to do. You know what takes a little work? Open in your Bible, saying, Lord, please show me. Should I do this or should I not do this? Is this pleasing to you or is it not? Is this the will of the Lord or is it not the will of the Lord? And the only way to find that out is with Bible principle. With that in mind, I want to give you another one. I gave you one last night, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 31. Let me give you 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Turn there if you would. I alluded to it a little bit last night. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Isn't that a wonderful verse? It it really is a tremendous verse because it talks about exactly the same thing that it talks about in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 8, where it says, Ye were sometimes darkness, now are ye light in the Lord. The day you got saved, you had a drastic change. And you quite literally became a new creature. You became something that you were not before. You were lost. You were headed for hell. You were the darkness. All of a sudden in that split second, you became a born-again, blood-bought child of God on their way to heaven. That's pretty amazing. Now, you understand that the moment that happened, if you were wearing black pants and a white shirt five minutes later you were still wearing black pants and a white shirt right if you ladies if you had your you know your hair in a ponytail five minutes later it was still in a ponytail men if you had yours in a ponytail you have more than i do and that's just the way it was so when it says old things are passed away behold all things are become new It's obviously not talking about physical outward things. It's talking about what happened on the inside. On the inside, the drastic change occurred and everything was transformed just like that. It wasn't a process. It wasn't something you grew into. It happened just like that. You went from darkness to light. You went from lost to found. You went from dead to alive, just like that. And because that happened then what was on the outside begins to reflect what happened inside. And by the way, if that doesn't happen, something is not quite right. Now, let me just say if there's a, if there's a negative aspect to getting saved young and growing up in church, if there is a negative aspect, it's that You don't see the outward change that somebody who gets saved at 25 sees in their life. And because we're human and our minds work the way that they do, sometimes when you get saved young and you grow up in church, you think somehow you've missed out on something because you haven't experienced what others have experienced. That, by the way, is a lie of the devil. God has spared you from some of the things other folks have had to live through and carry the scars for the rest of their lives. But sometimes you you find young people, they grow up in church, and they've not seen the outward changes because they've always dressed right, and they've always had the right kind of music in their home, and they've always, all those things have always been there, and so they don't see the change that sometimes other folks see and then sometimes that causes them trouble later but there are still changes that need to be made we were in, in uh, Oakdale, Minnesota um, there was a young man uh, I, I taught school for years in uh, Kenai, Alaska in Fairbanks, Alaska and, and uh, one of my students in Fairbanks she was Uh, She was very talented on the piano. She was one of those wonderful people who can play anything that you put in front of her that's on music, and she could also improvise and play out of the hymnal and do it beautifully. And she was my pianist for the choir. When she was in the 10th grade, she was my pianist for the choir because she was by far the best sight reader and piano player that I had and she was a valuable valuable asset. When she was in the 11th grade she started taking music courses at the University of Alaska and she was taking from this Russian concert pianist guy and and uh, he just thought she was the greatest thing ever but he didn't like her playing for the choir. He said it's ruining your technique to play for the choir. And she said to him, as as an eleventh grade girl, she said to this, this important man at the university, she said, but I'm not going to be a concert pianist. She said, I, I do intend to play the piano in church all my life though. And so he just had to live with it. She just kept playing for the choir. And she did a wonderful, wonderful job. She graduated from high school, and it was, it was hard for me to send her off. She went off to Bible college, met some bozo, and got married. And he drug her off across the country, and she never came back. But he was called in the ministry, and so through the years, we've, we've kept up with them. He was an assistant pastor in Maryland and then Washington and, and we were in the churches they were in and got to see them and, and their kids and their family grow and what God's doing in their life. And then a couple of years, he called me on the phone a couple years ago. He said, Brother Rogers, this church in Minnesota has called me to be their pastor and we want you to come and preach a revival meeting. I said, well, I would be thrilled to do it. I said, how long have you been there? He said, well, I haven't actually been there yet. But I said, you better go, see what's going on, and then call me, and then, and then we'll be glad to come. So he, he called me back a few months later. He said, we're here. We're at the church. It's wonderful. We want you to come for a revival meeting. He said, the calendar's wide open. They haven't done anything here for years. It's wonderful. You can, we can do whatever we want. You see, the pastor's wife had been very sick for several years. And, and over the years, he was her full-time caregiver, and it was taking up more and more and more of his time, and finally he had to, had to resign the church, and they called this young man. When he got there, there was just a little half, less than 20 people there. They had a beautiful building. They had all kinds of facilities, but things had become so run down that the sign out front was completely overgrown with bushes and weeds, So he went out, and he's trimming down all the bushes around the sign. The neighbor from across the street came over and said, are they going to start having church here again? He didn't even know they'd been having church there. Things had been so dead. And he said, yep, we're going to have church here. Last time, we were there last summer, and they got a brand new sign all lit up and everything. Just sharp looking. They've done all kinds of stuff to the building. Looks really good. We got there that first time. And uh, he'd only been there about a year and a half, and he was showing me all the stuff he'd done and all the stuff he had yet to do. And I was setting up a, a little table there in the foyer, and, and a little lady came running in. She had bulletins; she'd folded bulletins, and she laid them down on the table and introduced herself. And and I, I smelled something. It was smoke. And I thought, aha, we have a smoker here. Aha, now I know what I'm going to preach on all week. Amen. And she's talking to us, and my mind is spinning, and I'm thinking, aha, a smoker in a position of leadership, folding bulletins. Okay, that might be a stretch, but that's that's what I was thinking. Here she is. I know what kind of people these are. I'm I'm going to get them. And she wandered off and, and he came back and he said, that lady, just she's only been saved a few months. Already I'm feeling bad about what I was thinking, you know. <laughs> Isn't it funny how people, people who smoke think that if you don't see it in their hand, you don't know they smoke. They all think that. But what they don't understand <laughs> is that they can quit smoking for six months and they still smell like it. And they, I mean, it doesn't go away that quickly. He said, she just got saved a few months ago, and, and she has quite the story. He said, she, she was in a, a biker gang. I'm not talking about dentists who ride Harleys on the weekend. I mean I mean the real thing. He said, not only was she in the biker gang, <coughs> she was the drug supplier. She's selling drugs to all of them. So, whoa. All of a sudden I'm like, praise God for smoking. That's like a a huge leap forward, you know, just to be smoking. And uh, thank God, amen, (laughs) if if that's the last thing you're doing, that's that's a whole lot better than everything else. So, well, that's what I'm thinking now. So my whole attitude began to change. She came back, and we're talking, and she said, uh, my son's not going to be here this morning. She, he said, uh, she said, he told me, He told me last night, he plays in a rock band. She said, he told me last night he's going to quit the rock band. I said, why did he do that? She said, because he thinks it's not pleasing to God to play in that rock band. I said, well, (laughs) that's a good reason to quit. She said, he won't be here this morning because he played in the rock band last night. And they were out till two in the morning. And so he's sleeping in this morning. He told him he was going to play for the last two weeks of obligations that they had. And then he was all done. By the way, I checked later and he did do that. Two weeks later, he was done. He showed up Sunday night. Nice looking kid. Early 20s. Long blonde ponytail down to right there. Beautiful, beautiful Ponytail. You, you, some of you ladies, you'd have been jealous. I know I was. I was. And, and, and then he came, nice, quiet kid, sat there every night, took notes on everything. And he would meet me in the foyer after church, and he would say, Brother Rogers, I didn't get that one reference. What is that reference? Because I want to look that up when I get home. By the time we were done, I'm thinking, Lord, I wish I had a whole room full of these guys. Because he's paying attention. Amen. He's getting it. The last night, he wasn't there. Uh, he had to work the last night, and we were having spaghetti in the basement because that was the will of God. Uh, don't know why, but quite often, that's the will of God. And, and there we were before church having spaghetti in the basement, and his mother came in, sat down at the table with Liz and myself, and, and we're just talking. She said, you know, he's he's really enjoyed the, enjoyed the services. And, oh, I forgot to tell you, the when he had gotten saved as a youngster, but he grew up in her house. So he never got to church and he had no influence at all. And so when she got saved, started going to church, he started coming with her and he just started growing. And the pastor started having a Bible study with him every Tuesday morning. (coughs) Just studying the Bible. I went to the pastor. I said, did you, did you tell him he needed to quit the rock band? And the preacher said, no, I didn't. He said, I really didn't. He said, we've just been studying the Bible. I thought, Wow. That's not the way that's supposed to happen. You're supposed to beat him over the head until he quits the rock band. Problem is then, when you're not there, he goes back to the rock band. You see, when the Spirit of God says, hey, why don't you quit the rock band? And he's paying attention to God enough to say, okay, that'll last. Even if there's nobody watching him. Isn't that something? So uh, we, uh, that night she said, he's, he's not coming tonight. He's enjoyed the meetings and all that. She said, do you want to see a picture of him? I said, no. I've seen him all week long. I don't want to see a picture of him. And she persisted. You know how mothers can be. She persisted. And she pulled out her phone and showed us a picture of this handsome young man with this masculine haircut. I said, what happened? She said, well, he was reading in the Bible. And he came across the verse that said, it's a shame for men to have long hair. And he said, mom, if it's a shame for a man to have long hair, do you suppose I should get my hair cut? And she said, I suppose you should. And so he did. She said, don't tell the preacher. I just want him to find out on Sunday. Our lips are sealed. We're not telling nobody. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall the next Sunday. I talked to the preacher about it later the next time we were there. He said, oh yeah, he showed up. I didn't even know who it was. You know what was happening? That change that had occurred on the inside was starting to work its way to the outside. That's what was happening. Because he was a new creature in Christ. He said, a a new creature in Christ doesn't play with that group. I better quit that. A new creature in Christ, what the Bible says, it's a shame for a man to have long hair. Well, then a new creature cuts his hair. Amen? That's revolutionary, isn't it? And he did it. What was he doing? Just following Bible principles, that's all. That's all. That's what our Christian life ought to be all the time. You ought to be able to point back to some things where you say, you know, I I used to do that. But the Spirit of God showed me one day I ought not do that. And, And you know what? I never did do that. And then the Spirit of God said, you better start doing that. And I started doing that. There ought to be a whole list of those things in your life. And by the way, that ought to keep going until the day you die because the truth is the longer you're saved there's some things that you did back here just ignorant and not, not understanding that 20 years down the road you'll look back at and say I can't believe I did that I can't believe I did that and didn't even feel guilty But now the spirit of God says hey don't do that anymore that's not pleasing to me and so you say okay God I want to remember Ephesians 5 verse number 1 be followers of God as dear children Okay, God, I want to follow you. I'm not going to live my life trying to see how much I can get away with. I want to live my life being a follower of God. So you have Bible principles. Does it glorify God? 1 Corinthians 10.31. If not, then I'm going to voluntarily put it out of my life. Does it reflect that I'm a new creature in Christ? 2 Corinthians 5.17. If not, then I better put that out of my life. Let me give you one more, Romans chapter 14. I told you by the time we were done, I would give you enough of them, and by no means an exhaustive list, but enough of them so that they would answer any question you could possibly have. Romans chapter 14, verse 13. Now this is one of those verses that a lot of folks today know is in the Bible somewhere. They just don't know where, and they have no idea what comes before it and what comes after it. But look at Romans chapter 14, verse 13. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Have you ever heard somebody who claimed to be a Christian and you said, uh, well, why are you doing that? And so said, don't judge me. You can't judge me. <laughs> That's cute. It just doesn't fly with the Bible. That's all. Now look what it says again. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore. Okay. So I don't need to judge you. You don't need to judge me. But there is something I'm supposed to judge. But judge this rather. That no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. So I don't have to judge this guy down here. And he doesn't have to judge me. But I'm supposed to judge me all the time. And what I'm supposed to judge about me is this. Am I putting a stumbling block in his way? Or his way or her way? or Is something that I'm doing causing them difficulty in their walk with God? And if it is, then I should voluntarily put it out of my life. Actually, it'd be easier just to let somebody judge me. But God says, no, that's too easy. Don't worry about him. He won't worry about you. You judge yourself and make sure that what you're doing is not damaging his walk with God. I want to I give you a great eternal truth. Are you ready? The other guy is more important than you are. Really. Really. His walk with God is more important than yours. But I'm free in Christ. Well, good for you. You're not free to damage him. Your freedom stops where it becomes a stumbling block to him. You're not free to cause damage to other people's walk with God. You're free to serve Christ and follow Christ. And yes, when you got saved, you're free in Christ. You're as free in Christ as you'll ever be. You are. You are. But that freedom does not mean freedom to dishonor God. That is not freedom to blaspheme God. That is not freedom to violate the principles in the word of God. That's not it at all. That's a perversion of freedom. You see, I have to judge constantly. Is what I'm doing, how is it going to affect those around me? Is it going to strengthen their walk with God? Or is it going to hurt their walk with God? And if it's going to hurt their walk with God, then I need to curtail my own freedom for the sake of others and their spiritual condition. The Bible principle is simple. If something I'm doing creates a stumbling block for others, then I should put it out of my life. Now, when I got saved... I got what we call eternal security. I got it. I am saved forever. I can't get unsaved. There's no way to get unsaved. Listen, I I didn't create my salvation. I don't maintain my salvation. And I can't get rid of it. God did all that. And he's the one that holds it secure. So, yes... There are a lot of things that I can do because I'm free in Christ. A lot of things I could do. And I'd still be saved tomorrow. I could go out tonight and I could could go out drinking. And I'd still be saved tomorrow. I would. I'd still be just as saved as I am now. However, if I look in the Bible, you know what I'll find out? That's displeasing and dishonoring to God. And I ought not do it. Just because I could do something does not mean I should do something. And so I need to judge everything that I do. Not in light of, will it send me to hell if I go do that? Of course not. It can't. My good works didn't get me saved and they don't keep me saved. But, because I am saved, I need to honor God with my life. And if I don't, there will be repercussions. There will be consequences. God won't put up with that forever. I can't just get away with that. And I can't claim it's freedom in Christ to violate the word of God. Can't do that. Instead, I have to say, is it going to cause a stumbling block? And I promise you it would. If you show up tomorrow and he says, I I saw Brother Rogers down there at that bar last night. Well, I hope, first of all, you wouldn't believe him. But if it were true, do you think that would uh, damage your, your thinking just a little bit? Yeah, I think so. I, I've, got, I've got names of preachers signed in one of my old Bibles that I was looking back through, and, and a couple of them, I almost wish I could pull out of there because of how they ended their ministry. And the shame and the embarrassment and all the rest. And that hasn't, that hasn't damaged my walk with God, but it has some folks. I promise you. There are folks sitting at home who will never go back to church because their preacher did something or said something or got caught doing something. And, and we know that people are just people. But for some folks, that's a huge thing in their life. And that's the end of their walk with God what God is saying is don't be the guy that causes that don't do that don't be the one that somebody looks at and says well you'll never believe what he did I'm never going back to church again because God will hold you accountable for that one day he will he won't get away with that uh, for all eternity God will hold you accountable look if you would at 1 Corinthians chapter 8 here's a we won't go into it for the sake of time But here's a, an application of that very same principle. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 13. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. Now, we don't have time to read the whole chapter, but you can read it when you get home. I'll just give you a quick rundown. There in Corinth, this wicked, idolatrous city where everybody grew up in idolatry and worshiping idols and bringing sacrifices to idols. A bunch of these folks got saved. They're sitting there in the church at Corinth, and the, the stuff that's offered to the idols, of course, <laughs> idols don't eat. So when, when the time for sacrifice is over, they gather it all up, sell it at a discount in the market, and we as Baptists like stuff best when it's on sale. That's not new. They did that in Corinth as well. And so these folks thought, what a bonanza. We can run down there and we can get this stuff half price after they've offered it to idols. And, and, and some of those folks saved out of idolatry said, no, don't do that. That stuff was offered to idols. That's horrible stuff. And so God, through the apostle Paul, wrote to them. And he said, idols are dead. They mean nothing. So if you can get food cheap, Go for it. However, if it's a problem for your brother, now I'm paraphrasing. You can go home, read the chapter. If it's a problem for your brother, I'll never touch another piece of it as long as I live. That's what he said in verse 13. He said, if that is going to offend my brother and damage his walk with God, I will never touch it again. A- am I free to touch it? Of course I am. Is it going to hurt me? Not in the least but it's going to hurt him if I do it and he, he's from that background and, and if he sees me do that he's going to get all confused and, and I'm not going to do that to him because his walk with God is more important than my freedom and so I'm going to set aside what I could do for the sake of my brother in Christ and I know our tendency is well he just ought to grow up okay okay But you know, aren't you glad somebody didn't say that about you? Because if they did, you probably wouldn't be here tonight. And maybe someday he'll come around to the understanding that really it's not that big a deal and doesn't really matter. And then we can sit down together and have a big feast. But until then, never touch it again. Does that mean Paul was a vegetarian? No, he was saved. No, he just said, if it's a problem for my brother, then I will sacrifice my own freedom for the sake of my brother's walk with God. Did you get that? If what I'm going to do is a stumbling block to somebody else, then I need to stop. But I can sing that kind of music and it's not really going to affect anything and I'll still be saved tomorrow. Yes, you will. But what if you take somebody who hasn't been saved very long and they listen to that kind of music when they were lost and you draw them back into that and you mess up their walk with God. Well, they ought to just grow up. It's not what God said through the Apostle Paul. He said, I'll just, I'll just curtail my freedom right there for the sake of others. And their walk with God you see Bible principles really will answer every question but it's all dependent upon whether or not you want to follow God or you want to see how much you can get away with the vast majority for what passes as Christianity in America today is living on this end of the spectrum saying what can we get away with because we're free in Christ and that's not what's in that book Your freedom in Christ is not freedom to throw stumbling blocks in front of others. It's not freedom to dishonor God. It's not freedom to mock the things of God. That's not it at all. It's freedom to follow God. Follow him. Not because you have to to be saved or stay saved. That would be bondage. Your freedom is that you get to follow him just because you love him. And just because he loves you. Isn't that wonderful? I hope tonight. You want to be a follower of God. Let's stand together and pray. Heavenly Father thank you. That we can be here tonight. <coughs> Lord thank you for the principles. In your word. God thank you that you. You were careful to give us truth that never goes out of style, and it never goes out of fashion, and it works no matter where we live, no matter what time period we live in. It's still true. It's still valid. It always works. God, just help us to be wise enough to take it and use it. Lord, tonight I pray that we would carefully search our hearts And take all those questions that we have and run them through Bible principle. Will it glorify God? Does it reflect that I'm a new creature in Christ? Does it put a stumbling block in front of my brother? God, if it doesn't pass the test, then give us the courage to put it out of our lives. And we'll be careful to give you all the honor and glory for what you do. In Jesus' name amen with your heads bowed and eyes closed the piano's going to begin to play there are already folks here at this altar maybe tonight you need to come join them said so, well you didn't you didn't talk about my specific issue well I'll be honest with you I didn't talk about your specific issue on purpose you may have noticed I really didn't talk about